Leviticus chapter 6, laws about burnt offering, the grain offering, and the sin offering. Verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, if a, if a person sins and commits a trespass against the Lord by lying to his neighbor about what was delivered uh, to him for safekeeping, or about a pledge, or about a robbery, or if he was has extorted from his neighbor, or if he has found what was lost and lies concerning it and swears falsely in any one of these things that a man that a man may do in which he sins, then it shall be because he has sinned and is guilty that he shall restore what he has stolen or the thing which he has extorted or what was delivered to him for safekeeping or the lost thing which he found, or all that about which he has sworn falsely. He shall restore its full value, add one-fifth more to it, and give it to, to whomever it belongs on the day of his trespass offering. And he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord, a ram without blemish from the flock, with your valuation as, as a trespass offering to the priest. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven for any one of these things that he may have done in which he trespasses. Wow. Let me just say this. You know, I, I'm amazed at how God works because none, none of this was planned. I mean, we did plan to read Leviticus chapter 6 through 10, but I wasn't aware of, and I didn't know how the the conversation would go as it did uh, so far in the first half an hour here, talking about so many lies. And all of a sudden, boom, we have the first reading of our, uh, I guess you would call it, quote unquote, devotions today. Uh, is about lying. It's about lying. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? We see this so often, don't we? Where where God, you know, he 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 orchestrates the evening so that the things that we talk about in the chat, things that we talk about, the questions and the comments that we that we uh, that we um, that's that's brought to our attention. Are some is something that is actually spoken of in the scripture. Mark says shalom, shalom, Mark. Welcome, welcome. Good to see you. Yeah, Psalm ninety four says, "Wow, talking about lies." Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and that's you know that's that's amazing to me. It's amazing to me how God orchestrates these things. So. The night it just happened to be again. I didn't. Uh, I didn't um, plan this at all. But Leviticus chapter six. Let's read this again, again, because we're talking about lies here, and you know this again. You see this. You see this so much when it comes to uh, anything. You know anything of any importance. You got people lying about it like crazy. So you need to know what is true, what is not true. And some people don't care. You know that? Some people just don't care what's true, what's not true. All they care about is, is just pushing their lies. 
just because they hate people. Because they hate some. If someone hates you, they'll push lies. They'll push lies. Yep. Bring it on, RB. Let me see your evidence there, RB. Let me see it. RB, I mean. Let me see your evidence. Bring it out. Spit it out. Psalm 94, who, who is a firsthand witness, was there for, uh, went around, um, says that he can't produce evidence because there is none. All right. Here we go. Leviticus chapter 6, verse 1 again. I think we need to read this again since it seems like quite a resonating theme tonight, so far anyway, about lies. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, If a person sins and commits a trespass against the Lord by lying to his neighbor about which about what was delivered to him for safekeeping or about a pledge or about robbery or if he has extorted from his neighbor or if he was found if he has found what was lost and lies concerning it and swears falsely in any one of these things that a man may do in which he sins then it shall be because he has sinned and is guilty that he shall restore what he has stolen or the thing which he has extorted, or what was delivered to him for safekeeping, or the lost thing which he found, or all that that about which he was sworn falsely. He shall restore its full value, add one-fifth more to it, and give it to whomever it belongs on the day of his trespass offering. And he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord, a ram without blemish, flock, with your value. Valuation as a trespass offering to the priest. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven for any one of these things that, that he may have done in which he trespasses. Law of burn off of the burnt offering. Verse 8. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth upon the altar all night until morning, and the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. And the priest shall put on his linen garment and his linen trousers. He shall put on his body and take up the ashes of the burnt offering which the fire has consumed on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar. Then he shall take off his garments, put on the other, put on other garments, and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it; it shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. A fire shall be always. It shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. The law of the grain offering. This is the law of the grain offering. The sons of Aaron shall offer it on the altar before the Lord. He shall take from it his, hand, his handful of the fine flour of the grain offering with its oil and its frankincense, which is upon the grain offering. He shall burn it on the altar for a sweet aroma 
as a memorial to the Lord. And the remainder of, of it and his son shall eat with unleavened bread. It shall be eaten in a holy place. In the court of the tabernacle of meeting, uh, they shall eat it. It shall not be baked with leaven. This is, a, a again, the whole thing about leaven is a... And now it's, it's a symbol, it's, it's a type of uh, pr uh, pride. You know, God is, um, God is, as it says in the Holy Scriptures, the, God is opposed to pride, but gives grace to the humble. It shall not be baked with leaven. I have given it as their, as their portion of my offerings made by fire. It is... Most holy, like the sin offering and the trespass offering, all the males among the children of Aaron may eat it. It shall be a statute forever in your generations concerning the offerings made by fire to the Lord. Everyone who touches them must be holy. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This is the offering of Aaron and his sons, which they shall offer to the Lord, beginning on the day which he is anointed, when he is anointed. One-tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a daily grain offering, half of it in the morning and half of it at night. It shall be made in a pan with oil. When it is mixed, you shall bring it in. The baked pieces of the grain offering you shall offer for a sweet aroma to the Lord. The priest from among his sons who is anointed in his place shall offer it. It is a forever to the Lord. It shall be wholly burned, for every grain offering for the priest shall be wholly burned. It shall not be eaten. The law of the sin offering. Also the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, This is the law of the sin offering, in the place where the burnt offering is killed. The sin offering shall be killed before the Lord. It is most holy. The priest who offers it for sin shall eat it. In a holy place it shall be eaten. In the court of the tabernacle of meeting, everyone who touches its flesh must be holy. And when its blood is sprinkled on any garment, you shall, wa you shall wash that on which it was sprinkled in, in a holy place. But the earthen soul in which it is boiled shall be broken. And if it is boiled in a bronze pot, it shall be both scoured and rinsed in water. All the males among the priests shall eat it. It is most holy. But no sin offering from, among, or from which any of the blood is brought into the tabernacle of meeting to make atonement in the holy place shall be eaten. It shall be burned in the fire. Leviticus chapter 7, the law of the trespass offering. Likewise, this is the law of the trespass offering. It is most holy. In the place where they kill the burnt offering, they shall kill the trespass offering. And his blood shall sprinkle all around, he shall sprinkle all around the on the altar. And he shall offer from it all its fat. The fat tail and the fat that covers the entrails, 
the two kidneys and the, on them by the flanks, and the fatty lobe attached to the, to the liver above the kidneys, he shall remove. And the priest shall burn them on the altar as an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is a trespass offering. Every male among the priests may eat it. It shall be eaten in a, in a holy place. It is most holy. The trespass offering is like the sin offering. There is, there is one for both of them, for them both. The priest who atonement with it shall have it. And the priest who offers anyone's burnt offering, that priest shall have for himself the skin of the burnt offering which he has offered. Also, every grain offering that is baked in the oven and all that is prepared in the, in the covered pan or lie in a pan shall be the priest who offers it. Every grain offering, whether mixed with oil or dry, shall belong to all the sons of Aaron, to one as much as the other. Okay, someone says over here, I believe it's on in the, on the podcast, it says, Lord bless you, Lord bless you more. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. The law of peace offerings. This is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer to the Lord. If he offers it for a thanksgiving, he shall then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mixed with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, or cakes of blended flour mixed with oil. Besides the cakes, as his offering, he shall offer leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offering. And from it, he shall offer one cake from each offering as a heave offering to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who sprinkles the blood of the peace offering. The flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering for thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering is a vow or voluntary offering, it shall be eaten the same day that he offers his sacrifice. But on the next day, the remainder of it shall uh, of it also may be eaten the remainder of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day must be burned with fire and if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten at all on the third day it shall not be accepted nor shall it be imputed to him it shall be an abomination to him who offers it and the person who eats of it shall bear guilt the flesh that touches any unclean thing shall not be eaten. It shall be burned with fire. And as for your clean flesh, as for the clean flesh, all who are clean may eat of it. But the person who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord while he is unclean, that person shall be cut off from his people. Moreover, the person who touches anything unclean such as human uncleanness, as uh, an unclean animal or any abominable unclean thing, and who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord, that person shall be cut off from his people. Fat and blood may not be eaten. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, You shall not eat any fat of 
ox or sheep or goat, and the fat of an animal that dies naturally, and the fat of, of what is torn by wild beasts may be used in any other way, but you shall no means by no means eat it. For whoever eats the fat of the animal of, of which men offer at an, an offering made by fire to the Lord, the person who eats it shall be cut off from his people. Moreover, you shall not eat any blood in any of your dwellings, whether, the, whether of bird or beast. Whoever eats any blood, that person shall be cut off from his people. The portion of Aaron and his sons. Then the Lord to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, He who offers the sacrifice of his peace offering to the Lord shall bring his offering to the Lord from the sacrifice of his peace offering. His own hands shall bring the offerings made by fire to the Lord. The fat with the breast he shall bring, that the breast may be waved as a, as a wave offering before the Lord. And the priest shall burn the fat on the altar, but the, but the breast shall be Aaron's and his son's. Also, the right thigh you shall give to the priest as a heave offering from the sacrifices of your peace offerings. He among the sons of Aaron who offers the blood of the peace offering of, and the fat shall have the right thigh for his part. For the breast of the wave offering and the thigh of the heave offering I have taken from the children of Israel from the sacrifices of their peace offerings and have given them to Aaron the priest and to his sons from the children of Israel by a statute forever. This is the, the consecrated portion for Aaron and his sons from the offerings made by fire to the Lord on the day when Moses presented them to minister to the Lord as priests. The Lord commanded this to be given to them by the children of Israel. On that day, he anointed them by a statute forever throughout their generations. This is the law of the burnt offering, the grain offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering, the consecrations, and the sacrifice of the peace offering, which commanded Moses on Mount Sinai on the day which he commanded the children of Israel to offer their offerings to the Lord in the, in the wilderness of Sinai. So the next chapter, we will read about Aaron and his sons. Uh, in the meantime, 1 John 2.26 says, so here they are speaking of a quote-unquote sin offering. It doesn't say for unintentional sin. What, I'm, what am I missing? Yeah, it does not say right there as uh, for an unintentional sin in, in this particular portion. Um yeah, you're not really missing anything. I mean, th these are just the the instructions for a sin offering, right? Now, it already said what, like two chapters before that, three chapters before that, and two, two and three chapters before that, that uh, these sin offerings are for unintentional sins. Now, it's just basically telling us how to, or telling the priests, I should say, how to do it. Um, Mark talks about the vows. Speaking of pledging i don't remember where i read where i read it but it, there's a part in the bible that, that says not to take an oath but police and medical uh people yeah um in the in the context that you're talking about i believe it's where yeshua says you know uh, don't swear by 
you know, this, don't swear by that, you know, just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Uh, you know, I, th I think in that context, I think Jesus is talking about, um, you shouldn't have to swear all the time. You shouldn't have to be taking an oath for everything. You should, you should be telling the truth all the time. And that's basically what the context, the gist of that teaching is. Uh, he basically wrapped it up when he said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. In other words, if, if it's, if you say yes, it should be yes. In other words, you shouldn't lie. Again, talking about lying here, right? If it's no, it should really be no. And not lying. I. Uh, he said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And anything anything other than that is from the evil one. And that reminds me of a lot of times when I, when I hear politicians speak, when they're asked questions and they don't answer the question with either yes or no, but they go, they, you, know, you, know how, you know how it is with a lot of these different people. I think about that verse where it says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. It's like, you know, yes or no, yes or no. Don't blow smoke over it. Yes or no? Because basically, if it's if it's anything other than that, it's of the it's of the evil one, as Yeshua said. Leviticus chapter eight, verse one: The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments, the anointing oil, a bull as a sin offering, two rams, and a basket of unleavened bread, and gather all the congregation together at the door." Of the tabernacle of so Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and the congregation was gathered together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And Moses said to the congregation, "This is what the Lord commanded to be done." Then Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water, and he put the tunic on him, girded him with the sash clothed him with a robe, and put an ephod on him, and girded him with the intricately woven band of the ephod, with it tied the ephod on him. Then he put the breastplate on him, and he put the urim and the thumim, urim, the in the um, footnote here, the lights and the perfections, the urim, urim and the thumim, in the, in the breastplate. And he put the turban on his head, also on the turban, on its front, he put the golden plates, the holy crown, as the Lord had Moses. Also, Moses took the, the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them. He sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times, anointed the altar and all its utensils, and the laver and its base to consecrate them. And he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. Then Moses brought Aaron's sons and put tunics on them, girded them with sashes, and put hats on them, as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he brought the bull for the sin offering. Then Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bull for the sin offering as Moses killed it. Then he took the blood and put, put some on the horns of the altar all around with his finger and purified the altar. And he poured the blood at the base of the altar and consecrated it to make atonement for it. Then he took all the fat that was in the entrails the fatty lobe attached to the liver and the two kidneys with their fat. And 
Moses burned them on the altar. But the bull, its hide, its flesh, and its offal, he burned with fire outside the camp as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he brought the ram as a burnt offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and Moses killed it. Then he sprinkled the blood all around the on, on the altar, and he killed the ram in excuse me, and he cut the ram into pieces. And Moses burnt the head, the pieces, and that. Then he washed the entrails and the legs in water. And Moses burnt the whole ram on the altar. They burnt sacrifice for a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he brought the second ram, the consecration. Then ram and then Aaron, excuse me, then Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and Moses killed it. Also, he took some of its blood and put it on the tip of Aaron's right ear. I guess that would be symbolic of, you know, basically atoning or cleansing Aaron's hearing on the thumb of his right hand, his work, okay, his work, and the big toe of his right foot, how he walked. Then he brought Aaron's sons, and Moses put some of the blood on the tips of their right ears, on the thumbs of their right hands and on the toes of their right feet. And Moses sprinkled the blood all around the on the altar. Then he took the fat and the fat tail and all the fat that was on the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, the two kidneys and their fat and the right thigh. And from the basket of unleavened bread that was before the Lord, he took one unleavened cake, a cake of bread anointed with oil, one wafer and put them on the fat and on the on the right thigh. And he put all these in Aaron's hands and in his son's hands and waved them as a wave offering before the Lord. Then Moses took them from their hands and burnt them on the altar, on the burnt offering. They were, conse- they were consecration offerings for a sweet aroma. That That was an offering made by fire to the Lord. And Moses took the breast and waved it as a wave offering before the Lord. It was Moses' part of the ram of consecration, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood which was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron and on er, on his garments, on his sons, and on the garments of his sons with him. And he consecrated Aaron, his garments, his sons, and the garments of his sons with him. And Aaron said, excuse me, and Moses said to Aaron and his sons, boil the flesh at the door of the tabernacle of meeting and eat it there with the bread that is in the basket of consecration offerings, as I commanded, saying, Aaron and his sons shall eat it. What remains of the flesh and of the bread you shall burn with fire. And you shall not go outside the door of the tabernacle of meeting for seven days until the days of your consecration are ended. For seven days he shall consecrate you. As he has done this day, so the Lord has commanded to do, to make atonement for you. 
Therefore, you shall stay at the door of the tabernacle of meeting day and night for seven days to keep the charge of the Lord so that, so that you may not die. For so I have been commanded. So Aaron and his sons did all the things that the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses. Again, Leviticus chapter 9, the priestly ministry begins. Uh, in the meantime... Go for it, Randy. Welcome, Randy. Good to see you back. Hi, Chris. The first thing I remember that God literally said to me was, you don't need to ever lie again. And his prophecy to me came true. Wow. That's awesome, Randy. Randy, that is amazing. That is that is very that's serious faith there. That's serious faith because see, a lot of people lie because they're afraid. Right? Out of fear, they lie. But when you really trust God, you can trust God that even if you tell the truth, God will protect you. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Thanks for sharing, Randy. Leviticus chapter 9, the priestly ministry begins, and it came to pass on the eighth day that Moses called Aaron and his sons and the, the elders of Israel. And he said to Aaron, take for yourself a young bull as a sin offering and a, and a ram as a burnt offering without blemish and offer them before the Lord. And to the children of Israel, you shall speak saying, take a kid of the goats as a sin offering and a calf and a lamb, both of the first year without blemish. As a burnt offering, also a bull and a ram as peace offerings to sacrifice before the Lord, and a grain offering mixed with oil, for today the Lord will appear to you. So they brought what Moses commanded before the tabernacle of meeting, and all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. Then Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord commanded you to do, and the glory of the Lord will appear to you. That's beautiful, isn't it? Hmm, what a promise that is. And the glory of the Lord will appear to you. If you guys who are listening right now, if you guys have never, ever experienced the glory of the Lord, wow, wow, wow. I pray that you do someday. I pray that you do. And Moses said to Aaron, go to the altar, offer your sin offering and your burn offering and make atonement for yourself and for the people. Offer the burnt off or offer the offering of the people and make atonement for them as the Lord commanded. Aaron therefore went to the altar and killed the calf of the sin offering, which was for himself. Then the sons of Aaron brought the blood to him, and he dipped his finger in the blood, put it on the horns of the altar, and poured the blood at the base of the altar. But the fat, the kidneys, the fatty lobe from the liver of the sin offering, he burned on the altar, as the Lord had commanded Moses. The and the hide he burned with fire outside the camp. And he killed the burnt offering, and Aaron's sons presented him to him the blood, which he sprinkled all around on the altar. Then they presented the burnt offering to him with its pieces and head, and he burned them on the altar. And he washed the entrails and legs and burned them with the burnt offering on the altar. 
Then he brought the people's offering and took the goat, which which was the sin offering for the people, and killed it and offered it for sin, like the first one. And he brought the burnt offering and offered it according to the prescribed manner. Then he brought the grain offering, took a handful of it, and burned it on the altar beside the burnt sacrifice of the morning. He also killed the bull and the ram as sacrifices of peace offerings, which were for the people. And Aaron's sons presented to him the blood, which he sprinkled all around on the altar, and the fat from the bull and the ram, the fatty tail, which covers the entrails, and the kidneys, and the fatty lobe attached to the liver. And they put the fat on the breasts. And he burnt the fat on the altar, but the breasts and the right thigh of Aaron, and the right thigh of Aaron, excuse me, and the right thigh Aaron waved as a wave offering before the Lord, as Moses had commanded. Then Aaron lifted his hand toward the people, blessed them, and came down from the offering, from offering the sin offering, the burnt offering, and peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people, and the fire came and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Leviticus chapter 10. The profane fire of Nadab and Abihu. This is something very interesting, my... My friends, these, this is a very interesting story because in this story, we have Nadab and Abihu offering the, what, uh, what do they call it? The profane fire. I think it'd be interesting to go into safari and to see what, uh, um, to see what some of the Jewish people say about what is this profane fire. Don't you think that'd be interesting? Alien fire is called in this in the safari. Um, so they they offered profane or alien fire, okay, fire that should not have been offered, uh, and God consumed them with fire. God consumed them with fire. They ended up to be nothing but, I mean, talk about cremation, instant cremation on the spot. Served and delivered, okay? Why? Because they were playing with the wrong kind of fire. Uh, Let's just check this out in Safaria. This is Leviticus chapter 10. Now Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, each took his fire pan, put fire in it, and laid incense on it. And they offered before the Lord alien fire, which he had not enjoined upon them. We have lots in the commentary about that. 67 different entries. Let's let's check out a few of them anyway. From Rashi. Rashi says, And there went out fire. Rabbi Eliezer said, The sons of Aaron died only because they gave decisions on religious matters in the presence of their teacher, Moses. 
Rabbi Ishmael said they died because they entered the sanctuary intoxicated by wine. You may know that this is so because after their death, he admonished those who survived that they should not enter when intoxicated by wine. A parable. It may, it may be compared to a king who had a bosom friend, etc., as, uh, as is to be found in Leviticus Rabbah, 12 verse 1. Let's see what else other kind of commentaries we got here. Ibn Ezra. Um, and they died before the Lord. They, they thought that they were doing something favorable before him. And that's something that, you know, uh, so often, so many Christians do. They think they're doing something favorable before the Lord. But mm, check again. Ramban always has a, a little bit more of a lengthy commentary about that but let's let's see what he has to say at least a little bit and there came forth a fire milif uh milifne bef, uh, from before the eternal the meaning of milifne the eternal is like from before the pne the presence of, of the eternal pne or we like the face of as well the student learned in a mystic lore of the Kabbalah will understand, excuse me, the student learned will understand, for I have already explained this, the nature of the sin of Nadab and Abihu, you may, you may know from which it says they offered strange fire before the eternal. And it does not say they offered before the eternal incense, which he had not commanded them to do. Thus, they put incense upon the fire, similarly to, to that which Scripture says, they shall put incense ba'apeka before thee, and they directed their thoughts only to this, and thus, it was not a fire offering of a sweet savor. This is the sense of the expression, and they laid aleha upon her incense. And it does not, and it does not say, and they laid upon them, i.e. the censers incense. as it said in the reference to the company of Korah, and, and put fire therein and put incense upon them. And again, it is said there, and put incense upon them. But here it says upon her, to allude to the fact that they put incense only on the fire. And therefore it says, and there came, out, and there came forth fire, Fire from before the eternal devoured them. Wow. That's amazing, guys. That's amazing. It is possible that the verse which which he which he said, you shall offer no strange incense thereon. And 
alludes, that's in Exodus chapter 30, verse 9, alludes to this, meaning that he should not cause the fire to be strange. It is in connection with this that the scripture states, when they, Nadab and Abihu, drew near before the Eternal and died, which means they off, when they offered Lephanav, they died. When they offered the incense Lephanav alone, to the, to the attribute of justice alone, as explained above, they died. Now, that is amazing, guys. That is amazing. So it's the way he it's the way he offered, the way he mixed the incense with the fire. Instead of putting the incense into the censers the way he should have done it, he put he just threw it in the fire basically. And so that was the strange, quote unquote, strange, or alien or profane fire. One John two twenty six says, and what does it mean that they waved it as a wave offering? Did they literally move it through the air, as in waving at someone? Yes, yes, that's that's what happened. Yes. By the way, guys, um, just in case some of you have to go early, just so you know, tomorrow, or I tomorrow I may not be live. I may I may do a I may just post I may I may post a uh, a, a replay live. Okay, I may or I may not be live tomorrow. We'll see. We'll see. Just as a heads up. Whatever the case is. Uh, for those of you, we're not done yet tonight, but just for, just just saying that the next our next session will be talking about the dietary laws of God, Leviticus chapter eleven. That will be absolutely uh, a lot of people are very very interested in the dietary laws, and so we will definitely get to that um, in our next session. But we're not finished with this yet, so let's read on. So this is. Leviticus chapter 10. Again, this is in the New King James. Let's let's just let's just um uh let's go with um let's go with a different translation here. Let's just go with the good news just for just for just for the time being. Good news has a lot of good footnotes sometimes, and some of the some of the some of the um Interpretations is very close to the Septuagint. Just, just out of curiosity. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, this is Leviticus chapter 10, each took his fire pan, put live coals in it, added incense, and presented it to the Lord. But this fire was not holy because the Lord had not commanded them to present it. So again, according to what we read there with Rashi and Ramban, uh, if what they say is true, what it means here is that the fire was not holy because they did not do it as the Lord commanded him or them. They did not present the incense as per command. Verse 2, suddenly the Lord sent fire and burned them to death. 
there in the presence of the Lord. Now we read in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 10, let's just quickly go over there. Hebrews chapter 10 talks about our God is a consuming fire. And this is exactly what it's alluding to. Uh, Let me just pull this up. Hebrews chapter 10. Just to go there quickly, a fire. Um, Oh, just a second here. Maybe that's not. This is, yeah, if we if we deliberately go on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no further sacrifice for sins remains, but, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies, okay? The adversaries, all the adversaries. Hebrews chapter 12, yeah, so verse 28, therefore, since we are receiving an, an unshakable kingdom, let us be filled with gratitude and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. It talks about that in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 24 as well. So be, uh, let's start with verse 23. Be careful that you do not forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. Do not make an idol for yourselves in the form of anything he has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. So this, this brings out the same kind of connotation. It's the same it's the same theme as what we just read in Leviticus chapter 10. Notice in Leviticus chapter 10, it's basically Nadab and Abihu. They did not, they did not, they did that which was forbidden by the Lord. And so God consumed them with fire. And so here it, it talks about the same thing. Do not make an idol for yourselves in the form of anything that he has forbidden you for our God. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Powerful, isn't it? Powerful. So that's what Hebrews talks about. Um, and it's basically, it's based upon this particular verse right here, Leviticus chapter 10, verse 2. It's a good thing to remember about, about our God being a consuming fire, referenced in Hebrews chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, and Leviticus chapter 10. Suddenly the Lord sent fire and burned them to death in the presence of the Lord. Then Moses, and, then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord was speaking about when he said, all who serve me must respect my holiness. I will reveal, reveal my glory to the people. Wow. But Aaron remained. Check out this here. I will reveal my glory to my people or my people must honor me. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? So when I spoke earlier about like experiencing the glory of God, this is not what I really had in mind, okay? Uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking about just beholding the beauty of the Lord like how David wrote about in Psalms 27. And how some people experience that, you know, some people do experience that. They see the cloud, they, 
they experience the holiness, the glory, the beauty of God in one way or another. God speaks to everyone different. But can you imagine this? It's like, okay, you know, uh, we're going to see the glory of the Lord, you know? We're going to see the glory of the Lord. And then, boom, Nadab and Abihu turns into a couple piles of ashes. There you go. That is what the Lord was speaking about when he said, all uh, who serve me must respect my holiness, for I will, I will reveal my glory to my people. Wow. So in that sense, that word glory means honor. Now, I wonder if it's like, let's just check it out in, because honor means kabod or in the in the Ten Commandments, honor your father and your mother, kabod in the Hebrew, which also means glory. Give glory to your to your father and your mother. That's what it means to honor them. Not necessarily obey everything they do, or not not necessarily obey everything they say, especially when it's not in in line with the Word of God. You hear me? But to honor your father and your mother is to give them glory, respect. Respect for, you know, I guess that would be a better way of translating it. Well, let's check this out. Leviticus chapter 10. And we'll check it out in the Hebrew. Leviticus chapter 10. All right. So, verse 2. Actually, sorry, verse 3. Show you what I'm getting at here. Um, it is. I will be glorified. Chabad. It's Chabad right there. Right? It is. Chabad. Hebrews 35, 13. This, not Hebrews 35. He, uh, Strong's, H35, 13 of the Hebrew Strong's. Now, let's just out of curiosity. I'm, I'm doing this on the fly, as you can see. But let's just check out what it says about honoring your father and your mother. So going here, honor, you shall honor your father and your mother. In the Hebrew, you shall, kabod, same exact word, people. Same exact word. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? So honor here is is kabad which is the same word that's used when when god when god burned instantly cremated alive nadab and abihu and said this is you know uh this is to fulfill basically when he, uh, his his when god spoke to them and said all who serve me must respect Respect my holiness. I will reveal my kabod to my people. In other words, the people will see what happened to Nadab and Abihu. And because of what they experienced, because of what they witnessed in Nadab and Abihu being burned alive with the fire of God, they will honor me. They will honor me. They will respect me. They will kabod me. They will glorify me. And that is the exact same word that's used for honor your father and your mother. Honor your father and your mother in the exact same way. 
just utter utmost respect, utmost respect. Glorify them in that sense. Glorify them. Don't slander them. Obviously, certainly not. Don't slander them. Give them glory. Give them respect. Give them kabod. Wow. And it's the same word that's used here of how the people earned respect, how God basically earned, earned respect in the, in got respect from the people because of what they said. This reminds me of a testimony. I'll, I'll read your comments in just a second here, but this reminds me of what I heard. I, I wish I could remember the, the full name of this guy. And I don't know if one of you guys could look it up sometime. I don't expect you to do so now, but I believe his first name is Harold. And he was a preacher in the 20th century, I believe it was. It wasn't that long ago, in the 1900s, somewhere. I don't even, I can't even remember. It wasn't late 1900s, that's for sure. Maybe mid or early 1900s. If I can, I, I'm just, my memory is vague on, on, the, on, the, on, on that particular part of it. And, and I forget his last name. Perhaps somebody, some, you know, one of you can look this up. But this particular preacher, he went around doing like what you know, re revival kind of meetings, okay? And he was, there was a number of people that dropped dead because of the glory of God or the word of God that came through him. Um, and he, he said, like, one example, this is just one. This is just one, okay? There's more than this. And this is lots of I mean, lots of witnesses. This is this is not any story that's made up. There's lots of witnesses to this. A whole who, who knows how many hundreds or thousands of people attended this revival. And so apparently, the story goes like this: He was preaching, and there was a there was a couple young guys that came in, and they were just very arrogant, and they sat at the back, and they were mocking this preacher, mocking him. And the preacher said, basically, if you don't stop it, lights out within 24 hours. The Lord is going to do you. The Lord is going to do to you what he did to Ananias and Sapphira. He didn't say it in that way. He didn't mention it. He just said, if, you, if within 24 hours, you guys would be dead. That's what he said. And sure enough, both of them, both of them dropped dead. In different places. It wasn't at the meeting. It was after the meeting. It dropped dead. And a huge crowd came to the to the revival, uh, to the meetings after that. A huge, I mean, he got he got attention. Because of his prophecy of these guys dropping dead. Not, not, again, there are other other instances like that as well. But because of that word that he gave, and because they actually did drop dead, like Ananias and Sapphira, the, the people in the surrounding areas heard about it. Obviously, it was like it, the news spread like wildfire. You know why? You know why they came? You know why the people came and, and, and packed the place out and it was more people? That, because the people gained, the people respected the Lord more. 
right? They respected the Lord more. Did you hear what happened in the meeting the other day? There's a couple couple guys that were, you know, they were they were they were making fun of the of the of the preacher, and the preacher said, "If you don't stop it, you're going to be dead within 24 hours." And boom, they were both dead within 24 hours. Did you hear? Did you hear about that? Wow, man, that's that's wow, wow. Let's go, let's go to that meeting, see what's going on. True story. At least that's the, of the reports of it. And again, this is not the first time. Uh, there's another another preacher that. Now, I think it was the 1980s. Now, this preacher I heard in person. Okay? So, 1994. 1994, I believe it was. The preacher's name is Ed Dufresne. Ed Dufresne. And he came uh, to the church that I was attending at the time. And he had several meetings there. It was a conference, right? So he had several meetings there and he had like the regular Sunday meetings there, the regular church meetings there. And he had other meetings, like other, uh, it, it was a conference. So it was like two or three meetings a day this guy was doing. And I attended a lot of those meetings, but there was only one meeting that stood out, like really, really stood out. Very powerful, super, super powerful. It was like, for sure you knew that the presence of the Lord was there. For sure you knew that the angel or angels of God was, was there. And he would walk, he would walk around and he would call people's names. He was like, you, uh, Dan. And the guy's like, how do you know my name? <laughs> how do you know my name? Dan, you got a problem with your knee? You're healed now. Boom, he was healed. Someone in this meeting and you are staying at Holiday Inn, room 126, if you don't stop what you're doing in that room, if you don't stop the immorality you're doing in that room, you're going to be struck, you're going to be struck with a disease, period. And he walked, he walked through the church. I remember he walked through the church. It wasn't really, it wasn't really a churchy church. It was more like an, an auditorium, kind of, more like a warehouse. And as he walked, like he said, I, he's like, I see an angel and the angel just came, went over here. He's going to go down that road, and boom! The whole entire row fell out. As he, as it was, it was amazing. That's when this lady behind me, screaming and writhing like a like a like a serpent, started crawling under the seats and all kinds of stuff. But Ed Dufresne, now, don't get me wrong, okay? I'm not. This is not. Don't take this as an endorsement for Ed Dufresne, okay? All I can tell you is. Out of all the meetings I've ever been to with him, when he was preaching, there's one that really impacted me. The other ones, a lot of them I hardly remember. Okay, but that one I remember for sure. When you got the when the power of God moves very super 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 strong, you remember. And he and and he said, Andrew Frayne, he said that he was in Europe, I believe it was, just several years before that. And he, and he got up in the pulpit of this church and he said, there's this pastor in another church that's speaking against another minister. He's slandering. He is, he is railing on this other minister. And if he does not stop it, the Lord's going to strike him dead. Well, guess what happened? Guess what happened? According to Andrew Frayne, you know what? I, I think I might, I might, I, I may still have that old VHS video 
I mean, I was in it. I, I was in that meeting. I was in that meeting. I may still have that old VHS video. Maybe I can somehow find it and convert it to uh, put it on the computer so I can show you guys. Um, powerful meeting, guys. I tell you, powerful meeting. That was one of many, many, but that was one. And he said that this particular pastor in this other church, sure enough, Sunday morning gets up on the pulpit and he starts speaking. He starts he starts slandering this other this other ministry, this other pastor, this other preacher. And as he was, he dropped. He fell to the floor. Gone. Vital signs gone. And he said that that tape, you know, back in those days, that would have been probably in the eighties. Because he came to he came to he came to the church I was attending in 1994, and he he spoke as if it was several years ago, so it was probably in the 80s. He said the tape, the cassette tape of that, went all around everywhere. Okay, so the idea is sometimes God, sometimes because you know oh, I gotta say this too. I got to I got to get into this. The fear of the Lord fell upon the church in the book of Acts. Okay? The fear of the Lord. Cuz sometimes God uses this to strike fear into the hearts of people. Not an unhealthy fear, but more like a kabod, more like a respect. Glory that you glorify the Lord. You give extra weight and respect and honor to the, to the Lord. Kabod. So he did that in uh, Leviticus chapter 10 with Nadab and Abihu. The people kaboded the Lord like crazy, right? And he also did that in book of in the book of Acts, chapter 5, with Anna, Ananias and Sapphira. So just quickly go over here, quickly. Uh, Acts chapter 5, verse 10. This is at the tail end of that story when God struck Sapphira dead too. After he struck Ananias dead. Okay, so um, verse 10, at that moment, she fell down at his feet dead and died. Then the young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. And that's my point. That's my point. Sometimes God does these things. He did in Acts, Leviticus chapter 10. He did in Acts chapter 5. He did with that other preacher, Harold, that I remember I told you about. I forget his last name. He did with him, and he did with Ed Dufresne as well. It's a powerful thing, guys. It's a powerful thing. You don't mess around. You don't mess around with God. You stay humble. You stay humble. Um, before I go on here too far, Let's, uh, I want to get into some of your questions here as well. Um, 1 John 2.26, Harold Camping? No, no. I know for sure it wasn't Harold Camping. Go for it, Randy says, I wish I could have heard that sermon with Ed. Sounds like my kind of meeting, God bless. Yeah, uh, Randy, um, Lord willing, maybe someday I will convert that. I think I still have it. I think I do. I think I still have that in v old, old fashioned VHS video style. You know, uh, so Lord willing, I'll convert that 
to like MP4 or something, and I'll play some of it here. It's absolutely amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I'm telling you, I'll never forget after that meeting. <laughs> I walked around for a while. I went around. I, I, I was in total awe, awe, awestruck. Because the air was thick with the presence. It was thick with the presence of God. And you knew the angels of God was there. You knew it. It was, it was powerful. It was powerful. They had to have at least one or two well-bodied men go be, walk, follow this Ed Dufresne everywhere because he could barely stand as he ministered. We, we spoke about that um, when Moses dedicated the temple. He couldn't enter the temple because of the glory of God. Uh, when Solomon dedicated the temple, or actually, Moses dedicated the tabernacle, I should have said. But when Moses, Solomon dedicated the, ta- the, ta- the temple, it was the same kind of thing. The priest could not stand to minister. Now, I literally experienced that. I literally saw that. I saw it in action, okay? On many occasions, by the way, not just Ed Dufresne, but many occasions, many occasions where the person who's ministering, the person who's preaching, had to have someone hold him up as he walked through the church and through the, through the congregation because he just could not stand because the glory of God was, was on him so, so powerful. And I'm telling you, I, just, I, I still remember going into the basement of that church. Again, it was, it was, a big, it was like a warehouse kind of, it was a big place. I mean, they, they did have like a basement kind of thing. And like, uh, I guess we call it like a ground level, but more like a basement. Uh, I still remember going to the basement, like absolutely shocked. All the stuff that happened in that meeting, that, that, that lady behind me screaming, you knew she had demons. You knew she had demons because she's screaming, blood curdling screams, crawling under the seats, ripping stuff that she found in like, she ripping the, like the brochures from the conference and stuff, just ripping it. And the presence of God was just thick, thick, thick. And I pray that each one of you experience that. I pray that each one of you experience that. Vinny. So were the Levites able to pull down the tabernacle and enter the Holy of Holies because the Lord's presence moved with the, with the cloud or pillar of fire? The high priest could, could only enter once a year? Um, okay, so very good question, Vinny. Very, very good question. Now, that's probably, you know, Vinny, oh, this is awesome. Thank you for bringing that out because this brings even more, even as I'm, talking, even as I'm reading, I'm getting more, like, I don't know about you guys, but I'm seeing more. Remember how we read how when the cloud descended, they camped, they stayed put, they didn't move, the tabernacle, the tabernacle did not move while the, while the cloud was there. Only when the cloud lifted, only when the glory of God lifted, then, then they moved. So now it makes more sense. It makes even more sense to me now. That's why. That's why, Vinny. That's why they 
they moved only when the cloud lifted because they couldn't move while the cloud was there. They couldn't. Excellent question, Vinny. One John two twenty six, the Reverend T H Fegan, a leading Baptist preacher of Texas, was killed by lightning while conducting a revival meeting at China, Texas. Uh, he he had just called upon sinners to repent. Wow. Yeah, I never heard of that one. Fort Randy says uh, that is amazing, Chris. I uh, can't wait to see the video footage if you if you find it, Randy. Um, <laughs> uh, since we're on the topic, and since I, I'm, you know, I, I I know some of you you heard this before, but I, I feel like I should share this again. I'm not sure, Randy, if you heard this or not. True story, firsthand witness right here. I attended a church in which there was a there was a guest speaker, um, and this guest speaker just freshly got back from preaching in South Korea and surrounding areas and other um, nations on the other side of the you know across the pond, so to speak. Um, and he spoke about how desperate they were for God, how they were so hungry and so thirsty for God. And he, he spoke maybe about a half an hour or so. He was, he was talking about all these, about how these people were just so, so just desperate for God. And as he was speaking, like I was sitting, I was sitting, it, it was a big church actually. Well, it probably held maybe, I don't know, 5,000 people maybe. And so I was sitting about maybe about halfway, no, two-thirds of the way back from the front. Um, and as he was speaking, the atmosphere, again, got thicker and thicker and thicker with this, with the presence of God. But it, it was not just... It wasn't just your typical kind of quote unquote presence of God kind of thing. It was something special. It was, it was electrifying. It was like, it, it, it was, it was inspiring in every sense of that word inspiring to the point where as the time went on, it was like I said, it was about a half an hour. This guy was speaking. I got, I was more and more on the edge of my seat. I would literally, I would, I would come right. I was right on the edge of my seat. I was, the, the atmosphere was so charged. And it was just so, it was so electric. I was, I was restraining myself from jumping up and run, running forward. Like literally, I was literally like, oh, man, I feel like I got to run forward. I, I, I could feel like just jumping up and running forward. Just like that. That's what I felt like doing. I mean, don't ask, don't ask why, but I just felt like that. And all of a sudden, like it, it got so strong, I could hardly resist it. And, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw a few people actually do that. Okay. They jumped up 
and ran forward. And when they started, when they started, I'm thinking, okay, that's it. No way I'm, I'm holding back another second. I jumped up and I ran forward. By the time I got forward, by the time I went, you know, got to the front, most of everybody did the same thing. They jumped up and ran forward. When I got to the, to the front, When I got to the front, <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out, I'm just trying to think if I should actually mention the name. I, uh, maybe, okay. Let me, let me just say this. Mentioning any names like this, if I mention any names, uh, it's, don't take it as an endorsement, okay? Um When I got to the front, the presence of God was so incredibly, it was just so amazingly strong. Now, I've never experienced anything like this before. I've never experienced anything like this before. Let me, I'll try to explain it to you. And it was so real. I'm telling you, it wasn't like, it, was, it wasn't me. It was just, it was so real. <laughs> I was at the, I was like, it was like a platform. And the platform wasn't very tall at the front of the church. And this, this is the platform that the preachers stood on to preach. The platform was about the, t about the, the same height as a, uh, maybe like a table or maybe a little bit higher than, a, than a, the normal table height, okay? You know, maybe come up to, I don't know. Just a little bit more past my waist, I would say. Like, you know, the platform is like that. And I was the second. I got up there pretty soon. I jumped up pretty fast and ran forward. And so, there, again, I looked behind me. There was like um, almost everybody was behind me. But there was one row of people, one row in front of me that, that actually reached to the platform before I did. So there was this, there was me and... And one one row of one row of people, one one other person's in front of me, and then there was the platform. Okay, the person in front of me was on her basically on her face, vibrating and shaking like, like you would never ever believe. And I just had my hands raised like this, and. I'm telling you, this is the truth. I had my hands raised like this, okay? And I kind of reached over this person. And as I reached over this person, I felt it like my hands, and it was just as real as anything you can ever imagine. I felt like my hands were going into water that had electricity in it. And it was so real, I could literally feel the line. of. of it was almost like a force field. You know those old cartoons with the force field, like Jetsons or something like that? <laughs> you know, but it was almost, it was almost like a force field and it was so defined. It was so defined. Like I, I don't know how to describe it other than it's almost like if you had a pool and you electrified that pool, you put electricity and you pumped maybe, you know, a few hundred volts at least in that pool and you had the pool standing vertical <laughs> and and the water actually stood vertical like a wall 
and I put my hands in it. It was so real. I'm telling you. And I thought, I thought, you know, wow. I thought, I know what that woman is feeling right now because I'm putting my hands right into it. I know what that woman is experiencing right now because I'm putting my hands right into it. And she was just absolutely like, if it was any stronger, you'd think you'd wonder if she would survive. That lady, within a short period of time, she became a very, very famous preacher, by the way. Yeah, so, guys, never, ever, ever underestimate what God can do. Never put God in your own little, and this is the problem. A lot of Christians, they have the, God is in their own, they put God in a box. It's like, oh, God would never do that. You'd, anybody who would say that, you'd probably say the same thing to the, to the prophets. Oh, Isaiah, God would never tell you to go around naked all the time. Ezekiel, God would never tell you to lie on your left side 300 and some odd days straight. God would never take a, never tell anybody to spit in the mud and make a, and take the mud and put it on someone's eyes to heal their eyes. Don't ever fall into the error of Naaman. Naaman almost put God in a box. Oh, why would God tell me to go bathe in the River Jordan? That river is not so good. Ah, you mean seven times, dip, in, dip seven times in the River Jordan? What's up with that? That's, no. Like, we have much better water, much better rivers back home. Why, why send me to Jordan? And why, why should I do it publicly? Why should I have a bath publicly and dip seven times in the River Jordan? God would never tell me to do that. That was almost Naaman's error, right? Because Naaman, he was smart enough to say, you know what? I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to do it anyway. There's a lot of things that happened in the scriptures, all the way through the scriptures, that is very, very unusual. Very, very unusual. A lot of things. Let's see what we got here for comments. Randy says, that atmosphere was the Holy Spirit. Most likely you got to experience uh, being filled with the Spirit. Praise the Lord, Chris. Amen. Randy, yes. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Randy says, the moment you let God know it's okay to show you things, your mind will be blown. I have seen God hide buildings from view like he did in the Bible. 
I believe it, Randy, 100%, 100%. And, you know, again, I just, as I'm reading your comment, I'm thinking about just what we were saying, what I just said a moment ago is don't limit God. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking to you, Randy. I know, uh, I know you. I'm talking to anybody else that would, you know, anybody else listening. Don't limit God. Those of you who are listening to what I'm saying or what Randy's saying here and saying, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that. Oh, I don't see that in the Bible. Well, first of all, (laughs) Moses could have said that to God. I don't see that in the Bible. Wait, snake. Rod to the snake. I don't see that in the Bible. You never did that before. The 10 plagues upon Egypt. All the things that happened in the book of Acts, all the things that happened throughout the scriptures. God's always up, up to doing a new thing. And the way to test it, and to, the way you really know whether it's God or not, it, I mean, does it impact the lives of those who have, who have experienced these things for the better? Does it increase their faith? Does it encourage them to walk in the ways of God more? Does it glorify God? Now, I know that's kind of an an ambiguous statement because what glorifies God to one person might not glorify God to another person, if you know what I mean. But I mean, does the person, the person who experienced such things, are they glorifying God? And no, you you can't judge whether they're glorifying God by the way they behave during their experience. They can jump 50 feet in the air. doesn't matter. They can shake like crazy or fall or whatever. That's not, that should be, don't judge because of that. Judge based upon something much deeper than that. You shall know them by their fruit. When, when you have an experience of God like that, does it produce good fruit? Does, is that a turning point or is that a step in a person's life that will up the fruit in, in, their, in their walk with the Lord? Praying more, believing God more. God done some really, I guess you would call strange things throughout the scriptures, all the way through the scriptures, all the way through the scriptures. He's not, he's not a God who wants, he's not a dead God. So he's always alive, which means it's always something fresh with him. That's why I say that, you know, anybody who, who claims to walk with God and they're bored? <laughs> I, I I would seriously question their walk uh, because how can you be bored walking with God? How can you be bored? Moses, were you ever bored? Jesus, are you ever bored? Hey, Peter, James, John, hey guys. I mean, you spent... Three plus years, you know, living with Yeshua. Was it boring? It's not boring walking with God. It's not boring. 
Mark says, you ever hear this? Nazarenes were spoken of as guardians of, of the Torah, prophets, and the Messiah. It is a mistranslation in Bibles where it says Jesus of Nazareth. It should read Jesus the Nazarene. Yeah, I, I've heard that. I've heard it argued in different ways, too. It's like, they're like, uh, is it possible? Is it possible to be a Nazarene without being from Nazareth? As we know, Nazareth was a place, too. Um, so that's, I mean, that's a question. Christian is not the, is not the name the Bible uses of those who follow Yahusha. Uh, they would, they were known as Notsris. Notsri? Notsri? Yeah, Notsris. Um, those who followed John became known as Notsris or Nazarenes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hear you. Uh, you know, I say Christian because it says they, which would be the notes re, the 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 notes reem or the notes rees, uh, they were first called Christians in Antioch. So um, those notes rees that you're talking about, the people in Antioch were the first ones to say, "Oh, they're you know," they said uh, they called them Christian, you know. Christian meaning those who belong to the Messiah, right? Christian Messiah. For those of you who don't know, it's uh, Christ is a transliteration of the Greek, which simply is a translation of the Hebrew Mashiach, which is Messiah. Um, so those who belong to the Messiah are the Messians, Messians, the Christians, those who belong to the Messiah. So I know, I know over the, over the years, you know, from the time of late first century, early second century, the the name Christian started getting a started taking on new definitions, right? So I know there's so many people today in the world they all claim to be Christian, but yet they're against one another. They they call they say one to another, "You're not a Christian." Well, you're not a Christian. Well, you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. So when I say Christians, usually I'm talking about those who believe that they're Christians. But when I some, sometimes it depends on the context in which I use the word. Sometimes when I say Christians um, or Christians should, if I say something like that, I'm saying that those who believe in Yeshua or the notes reads uh, should should actually do that. Randy says, my brother was sitting right next to me driving the car. We saw the building went down the, went down the street to turn around. Then it was gone. For about three minutes later, the building was back. Yeah, and you know, there are uh, reports as well of people who have been transported. And I'm sure you, you probably heard about that, Randy. And we have that in the scriptures too. I mean, we have that in the Bible, in the book of Acts, where you got, um, who was it now, Philip? Where he was taken quote-unquote, by the Spirit to a different place. And I've, I have, um, I've heard preachers talk about people that have been transported even within the meeting, people who were sitting in the back or were leaning against the wall in the back, right on the back wall, all of a sudden, boom, they're right there in the front, right in the, right in the front row. Or going from uh, one city to the next when traveling, like they're in a car and all of a sudden, flash, 
and they're boom in the city that that's that was 5,000 miles away. I mean, it happened in the book of Acts. I do believe it does happen today. God is still the same yesterday and forever. He will not, uh, he's not, you know, he does the same thing. He does the same stuff. He loves doing those kind of things. Abril says, yeah, the fruit comes afterwards. It's like 10 lepers that Yeshua healed. And then only one came back to praise him. Thank him. Yes. You can receive the miracle. What you do after is what counts. How do you be, uh, do you become a disciple, a follower or not? And that's the, that's the whole idea, right? It's, it's, it, there's an old saying in one of these, um, a church I used to go to that was a church that, again, it was a very famous, it ended up to be a very famous church, but um, the pastor used to always say, I don't care how high you jump. In other words, I don't care how, what you look like when the spirit of God comes upon you. I don't care if you jump, shake, walk, roll, <laughs> fall, um, whatever. I don't care. I don't care how high you jump, he said. He said, as long as you walk straight when you come down. And so, you know, figuratively speaking, you know, after that experience is done, you're walking straight, you're walking with God, you're walking in holiness and righteousness, you're doing what you should be doing, you're part of the the sheep and not the goats, that's all that counts. It's the, it's the, um, yeah, let me see here. RB says, if you know your Bible, you will know about John 20, verse 29, which says, then Jesus told them, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that includes all of us, right? I mean, none of us were there uh, during the first century to to witness all this mark says i don't i don't like identifying as a christian i feel like uh like that's a whole other religion yeah i remember a place i used to work at um one of the supervisors came to me and he says i heard you were a christian i said well depends how you define the word christian <laughs> I don't think I don't count myself as a nominal Christian because uh, most Christians are dead and not what they should be, not what they should be. Uh, he said, well, believer. I said, well, I don't even like that believer um, because I, I, I want to know, not just believe. So I don't want to say I'm a believer. I The goal would be to say I I'm a knower. I know. Not I believe. I know. Um, so yeah, it was it was an interesting conversation with that um, with that supervisor. Vita says, "Shalom. Please pray for my daughter Sophia." Okay, let's do that. Let's do that, guys. Let's pray for Sophia. Okay, so Father, we come before you today, Father. We come before you tonight, Father. We bless you. We thank you, Father, for all the 
things that you've done for us in our lives. We thank you, Father, for, for sustaining us. All the things that we've been through, you've sustained us until this, uh, this day and this hour. Thank you, Father. For you have kept us alive for such a time as this. You know, and I still feel this finger going numb. I still feel this finger going numb. Father, holy is your name. Glorify your name, Father. Glorify your name through Sophia. Glorify your name, Father. You know, Father, the situation there. You know what Vida is asking for prayer about, Father. Meet the need. Meet the need. Send your angels. Send your spirit. Send your power. Let your blessings be poured out upon Sophia, upon her mother Vida, upon the whole household. Pour out your blessings. Pour out your spirit. Let the power of the Lord be present to heal. Father, we ask you that Sophia would be a wonderful, wonderful woman of God. Lead her and guide her. Bless her. Let your mercy flow upon her. Let your grace be extended. Let your favor be upon her. Let your favor be upon her. Yes, Father, and even after we pray, even after we're done here with this live stream, Father, let your angels, let the angels of yod He wau He, let the angels of God be there with them, watching over them, empowering them, leading them, leading them, Father, as your angel led your people out of Egypt through the wilderness by cloud by day, by fire at night. And the angel of your presence be there. Fill that household, fill that room that they're in right now. Fill the fill the fill that home. Fill that home with your presence, with your power, with your grace and your glory. In the name of Yeshua of Nazareth. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. My fingers are still numb. Especially that one. Actually, my other one too. A little bit. But yeah, my fingers are still numb. Still numb. Okay, let, let's, uh, let's continue with the rest of Leviticus chapter 10. Moses called Mishael and Elzaphan 
the sons of Uziel, Aaron's uncle, and said to them, Come here and carry your cousin's bodies away from the sacred tent and put them outside the camp. So they came and took hold of the clothing on the corpses and carried them outside the camp just as Moses had commanded. I do have to say this. There seems to be a parallel here between Leviticus chapter 10 and Acts chapter 5. We've got two that was that God struck in, in Leviticus chapter 10 and two that God struck in Acts chapter 5. You got a couple that took that came here to take away the, the bodies in Leviticus 10. In the same way, you got a couple in Acts chapter 5 that come to take away the bodies. Leviticus chapter 10, verse 6. Then Moses said to Aaron and to his sons, Eliezer and Ithamar, do not leave your hair uncombed or tear your clothes to show that you are in mourning. If you do, you will die. Wow, isn't that amazing? Don't even mourn for these guys. Don't even sympathize. Don't even sympathize for death of, you know, don't even mourn over Nadab and Abihu. Wow, that is pretty amazing. If you do, you will die, and the Lord will be angry with the whole community. But all other Israelites are allowed to mourn this death because uh, caused by fire, by the fire which the Lord sent. Do not leave the entrance of the tent, or you will die, because you have been consecrated by the anointing oil of the Lord. So they did, as Moses, as Moses said. Isn't that amazing? So, you see, again, let's just ruminate on this for a minute. We got Moses, Aaron, and his sons. So we got the Levites, the, the priests. They were not allowed to mourn Nadab and Abihu. But all the other Israelites were allowed to mourn this death because caused by the fire of the Lord, which the Lord sent. And Moses commanded the priests, do not leave the entrance of the tent where you will die because you have been consecrated by the anointing oil of the Lord. So they did as Moses said. Now, I, I'm wondering, this is just, um, I, let me just, this is a heart to heart, me and you, okay? Just my own thoughts. I'm wondering if this is not why the Atung in Ethiopia is not allowed to leave the compound where the Ark of the Covenant is, where they claim the Ark of the Covenant is. He, he, for those of you who not, don't know what I'm talking about, a tongue is an Ethiopian word that means keeper, keeper of the Ark. Okay? So th for thousands of years, they have a history of thousands of years, there, uh, there has been a man designated of the tribe of Levi, they claim to be of the tribe of Levi, that would be with the Ark of the Covenant, that would stay in the same building, compound, whatever you want to call it, all of his life, from the time he was appointed the task to the time he died, he could not leave. He had to stay there. Even right now, as, as I speak, right now, there is a man, the Atung, watching over the ark, at least what they claim to be the ark, in 
that St. Mary's Chapel. Let me see if I can get a picture of it. Mary's Sion. It's called in Axum, Axum, Ethiopia. Yeah. Our Church of Our Lady um, Mary of Zion in Ethiopia. So it's this place here that the Atung stays and he lives in this tiny, in a small little place. He is not allowed to leave because this is the place where they say the Ark of the Covenant is. Um, and so he's not allowed to leave. And again, think about it for a minute. We've had, th we've had hundreds, hundreds of men over the thousands of thousands for thousands of years who have taken the task of staying with the ark dedicating their lives giving their lives to be the atung the keeper of the ark very very interesting vita says amen god bless you god bless you more vita Jordan says, Shalom, brother, working on a new song, example or excuse. Sounds good, Jordan. Sounds good. Awesome. Lord, uh, Lord, help you with that. Give you favor. Lead you, guide you, empower you, Jordan. Sounds awesome. Can't wait to hear it, Jordan. Can't wait to hear it. So Moses said to Aaron and his sons, do not leave the entrance of the tent or you will die because you've been consecrated by the anointing oil of the Lord. So they did as Moses said. Leviticus chapter 10, verse 8. The Lord said to Aaron, you and your sons are not to enter the tent of my presence after drinking wine or beer. If you do, you will die. Now, see, this is what they, that other, um, who was it now? It was it Ramban. They said that someone thought that that's what the problem was with Nadab and Abihu, that they drank wine, and that was part of their quote-unquote strange fire. I don't really think that's the case, but good to know anyway. This is a law to be, the, to be kept by all your descendants, all your descendants. You must distinguish between what belongs to God and what is for general use. In other words, what's common and what's holy. Between what is ritually clean and what is unclean. You must teach the people of Israel all the laws which I have given to you through Moses. It's very important to spread, spread the word. Spread the word. Verse 12. Moses said to Aaron and his two remaining sons, two remaining sons, uh, they got to say that, two remaining sons, <laughs> It's almost like they're rubbing it in. To Eliezer and Ithamar, take the grain offering that is left over from the food offering to the Lord, make unleavened bread with it, and eat it beside the altar, because this offering is very holy. Eat it in a holy place. It is the part that belongs to you and your sons from the food offered to the Lord. That is what the Lord commanded me. But you and your families may eat the breast and the hind leg that are presented as, as a special gift and the special contribution to the Lord for the, for the priests. You may eat them in any ritually clean place. 
These offerings have been given to you and your children as part that belongs to you from the fellowship offerings of the people of Israel. They shall bring the hind leg and the breast at the time the fat is presented as a food offering to the Lord. These parts belong to you and your children forever, just as the Lord had commanded. Moses asked about the goat for the sin offering and learned that it had already already had been burned. This made him angry at Eliezer and Ithamar, and he demanded, Why did you eat the sin offering in a sacred place? It is very holy, and the Lord has given it to you in order to take away the sin of the community, since his blood was not brought into the tent, into the sacred tent. You shall have eaten the sacrifice there as I commanded. Aaron answered, If I had eaten the sin offering today, would the Lord have approved? The people presented their sin offering to the Lord today, and they brought their burnt offering. But still, these terrible things have happened to me. When Moses heard this, he was satisfied. Okay. So, Next session, we will get into the dietary laws of God. So this is going to be very, very interesting. Super interesting because a lot of people are very interested about God's diet, his prescription of how to eat, what to eat, what not to eat. And so that's super, super important. I will say this again. Um, I'm not sure if um, don't be surprised if I'm if I'm not live tomorrow night. I may if if um, if I can. I may I may put a replay on as live so you guys can still have a fellowship and still talk amongst yourselves and such. Um, may or may not. It, it, it all depends. Um, but if I'm not um, here tomorrow, um, heads up. Um, tomorrow, at least one day, maybe maybe a couple of days, I'm not sure. We'll see how it goes. So whenever, uh, as soon as possible, either tomorrow night or as soon as possible, we will get into this particular thing, Leviticus chapter 11, the dietary laws and kind of piggyback it on uh, Deuteronomy chapter 14, which also talks about the dietary laws. It's going to be very, very interesting. Okay, guys, as always, uh, you guys are awesome. Thank you for all the questions and comments. I appreciate it. Thank you for, um, for your fellowship. You guys are awesome. Okay, guys, as always, we will be back. Well, I can't say for sure tomorrow, first time, same time, same place, but... If not, then as soon as possible. And one John, uh, let me see now. Whoops. Byron says, Shalom, you guys and girls. Have a good night. You too, Byron. You too. One John 226. Uh, thanks, Christopher. Shalom and blessings. Thank you very much. Abrel says, Shalom, Shalom, Christopher. We are blessed. You can you can join us every day. Rest assured, you deserve some spare time for yourself and for your, and your family. Thank you very much, uh, Abril. 
Many blessings to all. Blessings multiplied back to you, Abril. And Vinny says, thank you, th- uh, thank you, Christopher. God bless you all. Shalom. And God bless you all the more. Vinny, you're, you're awesome. Thank you. Okay, guys. As always, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen. Amen.